Hi everyone, how is everyone doing? I'm recording this podcast from Mont-Tremblant, Quebec, and I'm here to ski for the week. Owen, my fiance, and I originally booked the week here because my mom, who went to China for Chinese New Year, was supposed to come back two days ago and wanted to quarantine herself for 10 days. But her flight got rebooked to March 2nd, so now we have to find somewhere else to go for a week at that time. But as for now, we're here anyway. We are really enjoying the powder and the snow here. But any suggestions are welcome to where we should go for a week and a bit out of Ottawa from the beginning of March. Last week, I put out a poll on my Instagram stories whether you guys wanted to hear more solo shows or expert interviews. And there was a huge majority, like 90% of you liked the last solo show I did and wanted more. So every other week, I've decided I'll do a solo show where I can talk about some of my direct experiences. A little bit about what I've been up to lately is that my Break Into Tech Intensive Group Coaching Program launched yesterday. It's made specifically for non-technicals in a different industry who want to break into tech or for those already in entry-level positions in tech who want to level up or transition to a better role or a different company. In the next four weeks, I'll be taking the 12 students through clarifying their skills and story, evaluating the needs of the company, online networking, offline networking, and of course, mastering the interview. The next session for Break Into Tech Intensive will start mid-March. So if you are interested in breaking into tech or leveling up your career and you're in your first few years in the tech industry, you can get on the wait list for the next session. The link is in the show notes. And launching this program just three weeks after I even conceived of the idea to switch to group coaching from my one-on-one coaching program was a huge accomplishment for us. I say us because instead of using the existing software out there like Kajabi or Thinkific to host the course video modules, which would have costed me 120 a month just to host my course videos, or lead pages to build a sales page. My amazing fiance helped me build a custom video player, course hosting platform, admin dashboard, all within the week. He also helped actually build my podcast hosting platform and my custom website. So really, this has helped a lot with startup costs. And Really, I cannot afford his hourly rate, but uh, he's doing it anyway. We are actually thinking of expanding what he has helped me build for my coaching to offer it as a budget version of course hosting platform, of sales pages, of payment for new coaches who also have a similar very, very low budget. And this is actually one of the many project ideas that we're working on together. If you do want to hear more about what it's like to work with a partner and what else we're building together, make sure you drop me a line on Instagram, IVXVine or LinkedIn to let me know if you want to hear more about that kind of stuff. Today, we're here to talk about networking and specifically how I managed to get FaceTime with so many tech leaders all around the world. As many of you guys who have been following me for a while now 
might know, I spent the last year traveling abroad, grabbing coffees and lunches with tech leaders all over the world, from the likes of Tencent in China, Jumia in Kenya, SoftBank in Japan, Grab and Gojek in Southeast Asia, and many more. In fact, last night, I just interviewed the previous chief product officer at one of Gojek's business units based in Singapore. So stay tuned. This podcast is going international really soon. Now, a question I get asked a lot is how do you get FaceTime with these tech leaders? How did you connect with them? And how do they agree to give you an hour or more of their time? Today, I'm going to share with you exactly why I wanted to go abroad and meet these tech leaders and expand my network in the first place, as well as how I was able to meet all these successful and very, very busy people and how they made time for me in their very busy schedules. First things first, why is a network important? This is why I wanted to go abroad and build that network. Right. So the most well understood reason to have a large network is that you know more people. If you know more people, you can open more doors. For example, referrals to companies for jobs and sign more deals. For example, you can't do business with someone you don't know. There's no doubt that having a network that can introduce you to the people you need is one of the greatest assets in anyone's career. There are two types of networks, an open network and a closed network. Having an open network means that you are the link between clusters of people who don't know each other. A closed network is the opposite. It means that you are part of a circle who are all well connected. Ron Burt, one of the world's top network research scientists, concluded that the greatest indicator of career success is based on how open your network is. Most people spend their lives in closed networks. A closed network is more comfortable because a strong sense of trust has been built amongst its members, making it really easy to communicate with each other. People have the same views, thereby you live in a state where people around you confirm your worldview. We can think of these groups as group of friends or groups of any identity, including even countries of people, religions, etc. For example, those who can be bicultural will be able to see differences in opportunities that others who only associate with one culture cannot. There are huge opportunities for those that have open networks. Firstly, you will have a more accurate worldview because by receiving information from different groups, you have the opportunity to view a piece of information from multiple angles and have more resources to make decisions. You will also be able to control the flow of information and the timing of release amongst different groups if you are the one releasing this information. This will give you a first mover advantage to act on relevant information that you might get firsthand sooner than others. Not only this, you can be a connector between groups and bring incredible value to two groups who otherwise would not communicate. And finally, with more information and ideas as inspiration, you have more space for creativity and innovation. So this is a perfect spot for entrepreneurs to spot opportunity. So that was what my intention was. I wanted to build a global network early in my career. So in 2019, I was about four years out of school so that it can pay back in multiples no matter where I decided to work or what I decided to do after the year that I was traveling. Whatever my next step was, I can even do it cross-border. I can take information 
from different cultures and groups, literally countries, and have more resources to make the right decisions and build my business. How I did just that, how I met all these amazing people around the world and built my open network where I get access to all this information and knowledge and I can control the release of information and I can be the connector is something that I believe you can start doing without traveling the world like I did. You can stay in your job and whatever you're doing, whatever you're passionate in and still build this network. I built my global network by number one, using the network I already had. Number two, proactively reaching out and being in search of people that I wanted to meet. Number three, attracting them to me. Those are the three steps and I'll go deeper into each one. Firstly, I used the network I already had to the fullest by nurturing my network before I needed them. So many people I met along the way was simply just me asking my existing network for introductions. And then the person I met would be able to introduce me to more people and it became like a domino effect. So the first thing that I would do was I would try to meet friends of friends. However, in order to keep getting introductions, you need to be on really great terms with your existing network for them to continuously help you all the time and introduce you to people in Singapore, Nairobi, in Kenya, in Egypt, in China, and etc. This involves really nurturing what you already have before you need it. No one likes gross networking, which is when people get in touch out of nowhere in order to work an angle or ask for something under the guise of friendship. Too many people visualize their network, quote unquote, as a list of names they can utilize to achieve an end goal. This is such a mistake and you can definitely do it differently to get a much more powerful advantage over everyone else who treats their network like a list of names. People approach me all the time through email with this faux familiarity saying, hey, how have you been? It's been a while. And I'm just kind of like, nope, it's been like never. So try to stay in touch and help where you can and have these low effort ways to actually go and contribute value to your existing network. For example, I try to reach out to all my LinkedIn connections. So these are people that I recently just connected with. This is something that I started doing about two weeks ago, is that every single Sunday I sit down and I go through all the people that I connected with that week, whether they reach out to me or whether I reach out to them, and I send a quick message, usually a voice note saying, hey, it's great to connect, it's great to meet you. I noticed this about your profile. Please let me know how I can be of assistance. Now, I do that because I don't want somewhere down the line, the first interaction that I have with this person is something of me asking for something from them. So for example, a lot of my friends and I, we try to help each other build each other's network. And a friend might come to me saying, hey, I saw that you were connected with this person. Could you maybe introduce me for this reason? And I would go check out that person and realize that I've never talked to them before. I have no idea why we're connected. And so I don't want that to happen. And that is why I started making a habit out of reaching out to anyone that I connect with on LinkedIn to establish a relationship before I need it. Something that I do to stay in touch with old connections is I play this game of Gmail 
or LinkedIn or Messenger roulette where I type in a letter and see who pops up and every day I try to reach out to two to four old connections just to say hi, just to check on them, tell them that I was thinking about them. Maybe I did read an article that reminded me of time that we had together and I update them very shortly, one or two sentences about my life and I'll just ask, how are you doing? And this is such a great way because if you can stay in touch, Opportunities come to those who are on top of mind when the opportunity shows up, right? Sometimes it's really not about recency or frequency. Classmates and coworkers are a great way to help you expand your network because the best way to form a bond with people is through sharing experiences, especially hard times together or progress towards a common goal. The classroom and the workplace are the best places to meet people in those settings. Alumni of a school and company are networks that you just get for going to that school and getting that job, but you really get as much value out of this network as the effort you put in. And what I mean by that is being remembered as the best team player, the highest achiever, the hardest worker, or most importantly, a great person to work with will open doors for you in the future. The goal is to be such a great performer and so likable that when an opportunity comes up with someone that you know, the first person they think about is you. Now I'll give you an example here. One of my friends who I met in my three months in China who actually found me through my articles that I post in, on LinkedIn and WeChat, he, after he graduated in 2014, he joined LinkedIn in San Francisco. Within two years, he followed his manager at LinkedIn to Uber. In another year after Uber, he followed Davis Wong, who was a former executive at Uber China, to take on a leadership position at Mobike, which is the most successful bike sharing company in China. After a few months, a few old classmates of his who had founder and exit experiences by that point brought him in to co-found an internet startup, MetaApp. I listened to the story, super jaw-dropped, at how someone who was only five years out of school has had all these amazing experiences. And he started just as a regular entry-level engineer at LinkedIn, an individual contributor engineer at Uber, and then moved to lead the iOS team at Mobike, and then is now one of the co-founders at a very successful internet startup. These opportunities came to him because he was who everyone he has worked with or studied with thought of when they were looking to fill these roles. Because he, even he acknowledged this himself, these were all opportunities others brought to him, not ones that he actively had to seek out. In summary, for step one, use the network that you already have by keeping in touch and helping out where you can, either by sharing knowledge, helping them build their network, or simply by showing support and being a true fan. Like if they, someone in your network is having a performance, buy tickets to support. You can also start today by just being a great person to work with so that when opportunities arise, your network will think of you. Moving on to step two, which is to take proactive action to meet the people you want to meet. When I was abroad, everywhere I went, I actively did three things. I went to local events, I joined local communities, and I reached out to local tech leaders. 
I went to events, I knew I would find my target audience who were usually entrepreneurs, tech leaders, and venture capital. So this, and VCs. So this was often industry talks, expert panels on a certain technology or startup pitch competitions. I would pay special attention to events hosted by local VCs and co-working spaces for meeting early stage entrepreneurs and exclusive salons for industry executives. I know super networker friends who, when they move to a new city or take on a new project, that might require something like fundraising and meeting people, they would go to three to four events after work every single week. It gets tiring for anyone, but they know that from each event, they will meet at least one person that will be useful to them now or in the future. So you want to find out which events people you care about are going to, and they should be events that you would be interested in the content anyway, and you wanna get on that guest list. I would start with publicly promoted events such as those on Facebook, Meetup, Eventbrite, or whatever is popular in the area. Once you meet a few people, ask what other events you should attend and hope they invite you to the other better curated events as you are trying to meet more people. The same goes for communities. There are a lot of community groups on Facebook, Slack, WeChat, Telegram, subreddits, and many, many others that are places where like-minded people gather for resources and support. Finding the right community that is active and friendly with people wanting to participate is extremely powerful. When I moved to San Francisco, I joined Women of Color in Tech, a Facebook group. Members often connect with each other for advice, and I was able to connect with extremely senior women at many different organizations who helped pass my resume along to hiring managers. Once you do meet up with a few people and connect meaningfully from these communities, you can ask what other communities you should be a part of in order to meet more people. For example, I'm a huge fan of the GGV podcast. It was called 996 in the first season. Now it's called Evolving for the Next Billion. And there's a large listener community on WeChat and Slack. From the GGV podcast listener community, I started following one of the guests uh, they had on the podcast who had a marketing community of her own. She was the one that curated it. It was a paid for community of highly curated branding and product marketing information and extremely senior members in the marketing space within China, including guest speakers that she brought on as well as just industry experts. Through this Chinese marketing community and the GGV podcast community, I met with members because there's something in common and when something joins you together, everyone wants to help each other out. And when I met with them, I asked them based on my interests in exploring the tech ecosystem in various emerging markets, what other communities are there that I should join that they know of. From there, I was invited to communities like China Tech Stocks, Chinese Talent in the Bay, and exclusive salons and invites to other more closed door events. Finally, the most proactive thing you can do to meet who you want to meet is, of course, to reach out directly to them. Before I go to a new market that I'm keen to explore and meet people, 
I first do an advanced search on LinkedIn, filtering for the city of interest and for second and third degree connections. Usually I just reach out to second degree connections cold without asking the mutual connection for an intro because my cold message response rates are actually incredibly high. How to write effective cold messages is a huge lesson that I teach in my course and group coaching program and definitely a full on conversation for another day. However, I do want to leave you with that the reason so many of these people were willing to meet with me was because I had a great hook. I believe everyone has a great hook or can potentially build a great hook. A hook is something that gets someone interested about you. It doesn't have to have anything to do with the topic at hand. It just has to make the other person want to hear more of your story. Mine was, I spent the last year traveling to 16 emerging markets on a self-designed gap year to interview tech leaders about emerging tech, globalization, and what the future will look like. So many people that I met with told me that they wanted to meet me because they've never heard of anyone doing something like that. And I'm sure that there is something within your life, in your story, that is very unique that someone would just want to hear more about that. After I give my hook, I would tag on why I was interested in speaking to them, specifically to them. For example, when I reached out to an engineering manager at Mercari Japan, a secondhand e-commerce platform, I mentioned that I used to work at Wish, which connected that we were both in the e-commerce space. And I mentioned that I'm learning about global markets and would love to meet him to learn more about e-commerce in Japan, which he's in that space, and Japan's role in globalization. Since he was a Japanese American with work experience in the States as well, both e-commerce and Japan's role in globalization are both very relevant to him. When reaching out, you have to make sure that you show that you are worth their time by teasing information you can offer that they might want and that you have very specific questions that they are best fit to answer. I'm not even kidding when I say by keeping just those two things in mind, my cold message response rates are over 90%, no matter how senior this executive is. And we end up having such an insightful conversation, seriously meeting people from different cultures and having such mutually beneficial conversations was what really kept me going through the travels and why I really want to hit the road again soon. So in summary for step two of being proactive and finding and connecting with the people that you want to meet, attend events, join communities and just reach out directly with the right intention. Okay. We're now on to step three and the most advanced for building an open network. It's to find ways to attract this network to you. Believe it or not, many people I met along the way actually found me. In this internet age with social media and many different platforms to broadcast to the world, there are multiple different channels that others can find you through. It's up to you to provide what they're looking for. So where can people find you? My favorite hangout spot is, of course, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is absolutely amazing and can do wonders for your career. It's like a giant networking session with conversations happening everywhere and you can find almost anyone. Your future boss, team, and mentor are all on LinkedIn and so are all the people I wanted to chat with in different markets. I want the people I want to meet to be able to find my profile, find me interesting, and reach out to me me to meet up. And how do I do that? 
Of the over 600 million users on LinkedIn, only under 1% actually create content. This means that LinkedIn right now is the blue ocean of social media. I started posting consistently on LinkedIn and within a month, I was getting 900 profile views per week and between five to 10,000 views on my posts with some posts hitting a high of 25,000. Now, I don't know if you are familiar with social media metrics, but in comparison, my Instagram gets like 120 views a week compared to 900 on LinkedIn. And my Instagram posts get 600 views compared to 10,000 on LinkedIn. The algorithm is still so new. Remember back in the days when all your friends would see your Facebook posts? That's LinkedIn now. So now is really the time to leverage LinkedIn. The best way to get people to find you is by creating content that your target audience is looking for. For me, it was emerging markets and global tech. Lucky for me, a lot of people are interested in China, which was the first market I went to. And just by me sharing what I was learning in China over the three months, lots of people from Southeast Asia, Middle East, and Africa, and all the other places I went to all reached out to me for example, after I published my article titled 203 Unicorns of China, How Many Did You Know? This was an article on LinkedIn. And from just that one article, hundreds of new connections reached out to me who are expats and China tech followers based all in different places in the world, and many of whom I ended up meeting up with to learn about their specific market. If you're wondering what you could write about that could be relevant to others, I would start with your own reflections over a certain unique experience, how you solve a problem that others likely have as well, or explain something from your own perspective. Many people early in their career may feel like they're not an expert at anything and know nothing worth writing about. However, everyone, seniority aside, understands things differently different things resonate with them. And sometimes it requires a different approach for them to fully comprehend something. You could be that critical angle that provides content in the exact way your readers need it. As you grow, there will always be people behind you needing to learn the same thing you just learned. Your experience can help them. My first article, Six Things I Wish I Had Known About Job Hunting in San Francisco, went viral in 2016. I was just a new grad writing about job hunting and a month after I published that article, I was laid off again. But it really resonated with tons of people looking for a job in SF of every single seniority level. And it's how I started my coaching business that I have right now. Writing about your learnings, documenting your journey is also building up a proof of work for yourself. It shows that you are truly passionate about the things you claim you are passionate about when you reach out to people. Remember those cold emails where you say, oh, I'm so passionate about e-commerce, or I'm so passionate about helping the underserved, etc." Well, you want to really prove that. Leaving a trail of created content also shows to whoever drops by your LinkedIn profile what kind of person you are and what you love chatting about. By putting yourself out there, you will bring in more like-minded people and therefore expand your network. In summary of step three, attracting people to you, you need to think about who you want to meet, 
what this audience would be interested in reading or what you could help this audience with and then create that content for them. Now, I know that seems counterintuitive in that the people you can help are not necessarily maybe the people that can help you. So why would creating content for people a few steps behind you attract those ahead of you that you want as mentors? First of all, no one is ahead of you in everything. You should be seeking mentorship from your peers as well. For example, when I wrote about China, I was attracting entrepreneurs and senior executives from other countries, also hoping to learn and take inspiration from the Chinese tech ecosystem and its fast growth. When I preach about networking and job hunting and building my coaching business, this content shows as proof of work that I'm hustling when I reach out to successful online business owners for mentorship. When I share my insights, learnings, and experiences on this podcast, I am hopefully attracting someone like you who is interested in tech, ambitious about what you can do with your career as a non-technical, and someone who, can, who I can learn from and can learn from me because you are in a very specific industry that's different from my own experiences. We are all learning together. And that is how I built my network globally. By having that innate curiosity for meeting anyone from small business owners, junior employees, founders, VCs, someone on the street, my Uber Grab DD driver, I knew they can tell me something about the tech ecosystem. For example, how the culture and values affect innovation, government policies, education system, what life is like for different classes in society something that would help me better understand the local market challenges and opportunities that I was seeking to understand. I grew my network by using my existing network and then nurturing both. I was proactive and went to events, joined communities and asked more information and invites to other events and communities. I reached out directly to those I wanted to learn from and provided as much value as I can and finally, I documented my journey and learnings to share with all of you in hopes that I can attract you to be a part of my network as well. With that, I'm building a listener community that I hope can be a community that you can benefit from and meet like-minded people and expand your network. You can join by going to nontechnicallyspeaking.com. Thank you so much, my friends, and I hope that you learned something from this experience that I just shared. I would absolutely love it if you would connect and share your top takeaways with me, either privately on LinkedIn or publicly would be better for me, but only if you want to, if you could tag me on whatever, wherever you share it. And I hope you guys have such a wonderful week and see you in the next episode.